Welcome back to the Life After Bliss podcast. My name is John, and helping us out today is my brother Tom. Hey. Hey, Tom's here. We are in the studio today. We're actually not in the actual studio. Today we're in uh, a venue, the old rock house in St. Louis. Uh, we are in the, the basement of this joint, and we've caught uh, an artist on the road. His name's Tyson Matzenbacher. Matzenbacher, boy, yeah. it must be hard to be a Matzenbacher these days. Man, it's a lot of a lot of names. It's a lot of work. It's a long handle yeah. for like. How do you sell Instagram. that if you're dating? Like, like is that like, hey, you want to be a Matzenbacher? <laughs> do, yeah. do, do that mess. I mean, it's yeah, it's a hard sell. You know. Yeah, right. Like, I, you're not marrying John Smith here. You're marrying my sister. A kept it though. My sister kept it in marriage. Yeah, wow. it's very. She unique. had the option. And she kept it. What's so. the history of the Matzenbacher? I mean, that seems like an English thing or something. It's, it's German, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's um, my grandma had like this, uh, she had this like plaque on her wall that was like the coat of arms, and it looked really fancy, and it was supposed to say like our lineage. Okay. Um, but it just said like Matzenbacher means like a dishonest bread maker or a bread maker who makes bread in a swamp. But it says it like really fancy. Yeah, I always thought that was awesome. I was like, okay, cool. So <laughs> there's something there's something to be said about that. I mean, <laughs> don't go back to those Matzenbuckers. <laughs> they've got the worst bakery in town. Their bread is they've got swamp nasty swamp bread. And I could just imagine the Matzenbuckers like going to to other places which they didn't understand the word Matzenbucker. Like, hey, Matzenbucker Baker is the best ever. You got to try these things right here. It's like a like a punk. They're getting yeah, punked. Punked right there, right there in Germany. <laughs> Good Ashton Kutcher reference there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I heard it was coming back with Chance the Rapper. Wow. Do you think uh, what's Ashton's going to be there too? Because it seems like he should be to he some degree. Be. Yeah. yeah Milo's kind of tamed him down a little bit. I think Milo Kunis is tamed down, right? Maybe. I mean, I, I feel like I don't really know that much about him. He's still like buying MySpace and stuff for some reason. Really? Yeah. He bought MySpace and then like he bought a bunch of festivals or something. Huh. I think he's just wild in an, in a new way now. Oh, no, wait, hold on. I'm thinking of Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake, yeah, yeah, yeah. A long time ago, he bought it. That was probably like six years ago or so. I just switched Ashton. But I did Ashton Kutcher. They're basically the same Well, guy, he right? punked Justin Timberlake. Timber, I can't even talk. Timberlake, yeah. But he cried. Yeah, yeah, Remember yeah. that? It was awesome. Yeah, he like took his guitar that he thought was like this something special and he like smashed it on the ground in he front like, of him. Made him, like, him cry. I think amazing. Justin Timberlake just punked his wife on... <laughs> On those videos that surfaced a couple months ago. Remember, like, he was holding hands with a girl on the... Oh, yeah. But he's filming a movie down in New Orleans, and he's holding the girl's hand, he's drunk, and I'm like, man, how do you feel if you're uh, Jessica Biel there? Yeah. Yeah, this is a celebrity hour on the Life After Bliss podcast, so... It's a pop culture reference where we're (laughs) crossing everything. Exactly. (laughs) We'll get to coronavirus soon. We are going to. Yeah, so you (laughs) are... You are a proponent of the coronavirus. You're actually actively traveling around, coughing on people. Is that what it is you're doing? Yeah, we were joking about how, like, if you, like, the best possible way to spread the coronavirus would be to give it to one of us. Yeah. Because we just, like, shake hands with 300 people every night. You were just in Washington. I mean, you were... went true. Were you at the retirement home or not? Just to be honest. I stopped by. I stopped by. Sure. Saw Aunt Betty. Why not? Dipped in for a second just to see how it's going. (laughs) The Matzenbuckers run that place. It's the bad bread. (laughs) They all keep coming back. Yeah. (laughs) With this this whole thing, I've told him, I was like, how far is too far to go with this? Yeah. Like... Because uh, like with Colony House, we just you know we did a little podcast with them, and there's one of their songs, El Capitan, is I'll climb El Capitan, and I was like, if you're really trying to write that song now, you'd be going to Wuhan. Yeah, right. That'd yeah. be the. That's what you do for love. Would you go to Wuhan for love? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Who knows? I mean, it'd be, have to be, you have to give me more specific than that. Like, like uh, you know, like uh, is that would you would you go and catch 
a virus. Yeah, you're gonna for go love. catch. You're gonna yeah, catch yeah, a virus. That's the premise. Okay. Catch it for sure. You're gonna have true love. You're gonna catch it. You're right. You're gonna catch it probably for sure. For sure. You're gonna have true love for at least the next like ten years and stay alive. Would you mm. do it? Yeah, I, th- I think I would. Okay. I think I'd do that. Plus, sure. you know, I mean, like it's a cultural moment. Yeah, you get to express that. Like I was in, you I was be in the, a, uh, the uh, Coronas virus artist. You, you could go. be the guy writing from that perspective. The Coronas virus artist. <laughs> <laughs> I was in, uh, I was in the Vatican when the Pope died. Really? Like, uh, like a long, like ten years ago or something, and it, or longer than that. I forget which Pope. There's been a lot it, of popes. Yeah, it was was it Pope John Paul. I mean, that had to be it was that like guy, right? three popes ago, I think. I don't know. I don't. I don't it, know those. Yeah, I don't know either. I think but if you're gonna tell that story, you need to know the Pope's name. Yeah, I know, right? It, it was. Uh, it was not bad, the current. You're one. a bad Catholic. You know that. I know, right? Yeah, but uh, but it, but it was it was like that's what I'm saying. It was a cultural moment. Like, <laughs> Did you just say it idea. wasn't the current one? <laughs> it wasn't Pope Francis. Don't worry, everybody. Yeah, he's, he's still alive. He's, he's still alive. He's, as far Although as he was sick. Maybe he like has just it. within the yeah. That's the big thing is like they've not allowed him to do any public appearances over the last week or two. And okay, so I, we just jumped into this thing. Tyson Matzenbacher is an artist-songwriter. He's 33 years old. Came out with two albums. Uh, one's called Letters to Lost Loves and another is 2020's uh, Someday I'll Make It up t- All Up to You. And before that, you came out with some EPs, right? Yeah. How many EPs did you come out with before like that? Like a bunch of them. A bunch? Yeah, I, I mean, I had, let's see, I mean, I've, I've done, I think I've done four total, but When did you start doing them all together? What year did you start... Uh, like 2011 or something. Okay. Yeah. So it was been a, it's been a minute. So you when did you start writing and, and all that? When did you start cultivating all this material? Kind of always have. Like I started writing when I was a kid, but I was you know we I had a band in college that played a lot, and then when I moved I moved to California after. College. Were you were you still in that band when you moved out to California? Or? No, we talked about it, but it's like you know you can't keep a college band together. At least I don't know of that happening unless you have like considerable momentum already, and you can kind of like. Jars Make of that clay. your thing. Jars yeah. of clay. They, they did it. They're living the dream. Look or, at that. Or, or something. <laughs> of course, they're, <laughs> Are they still they're, they're, Well, not really. So, uh, but they're good. They're kind of well. One of them's doing uh, that blood water mission thing. That's yeah. Dan. Yeah. The other guy's a barber. Oh, the other sweet. two are like producers. It's right. so like I actually like they play one show a year, and it's a Christmas show in Nashville. Okay. And so I I've gone to it, and it's it's kind of cool. It's like nostalgic. It's like hey, I love jars of clay, man. Like as far as all like that era of music that stuff really holds up like that first jars of clay records those first two albums i love like the, much afraid and then they're written you know. much afraid especially because that one got overlooked yeah the one, a, the do you know who produced one. that no who? greg wells okay guy's a stud yeah he's yeah. worked with katie perry but i mean like you go look at the bio on that guy and it's ridiculous okay That's so awesome. you started writing um a long time ago mm-hmm. and and here you are you've come out with two albums and you've gone through some like traumatic stuff in your life, like a, a like a pretty big life journey. I know you talk about this a lot, mm-hmm. so I don't mean to like beat a dying horse, but man, that's a really bad pun in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, no, he's count on John. Yeah. So here's the thing we share. Okay. Yeah. So two years ago, Tom and I were brothers. We lost our mom. We mm-hmm. lost our mom to cancer. Yeah. And uh, actually, two and a half years ago, almost three years now. Yeah, it was June 2017. And uh, and that was a really big shakeup. We've got a lot of siblings. We've got six of us all together. Whoa. And uh, so like it actually brought all the kids closer together. Mm-hmm. And it was like a, a thing where 
you kind of just take stock and reevaluate who you are and you're like, okay, I want to carry on this legacy, but like, mm-hmm. how do I do that? You know, like, or, right. or should I do that? Or what does that look like? You know, and all that, and like you have all these broken pieces you're just trying to kind of pick up. Yeah. And so something very similar happened to you. Um, you'd moved to San Diego mm-hmm. pursuing music Yep. and you're, you're playing like college shows. Is that where you're playing or some of that? Yeah. I mean like whatever you're playing bars, could... you're playing weddings, you're playing anything you can. Yeah, literally any anything that would okay have me. <laughs> sure. So you were doing house shows too, I guess. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Do you do you still do house shows? Can I ask? I've I've like people will ask me to do them occasionally, and I haven't done any in a long time. But it, I I like the idea of it. Like, um, yeah, like David Bazan, he always does house shows, and he still does them. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. It's like it's like you just show up, play the thing, and. It's actually, actually pretty conducive for the kind of thing that I do. It I have a well. yeah. I've heard you. I think it works good for your style. Your music mm-hmm. really would work well. I have yeah. a guy named uh, Derek Webb that's coming over to my house in a couple of months, and he's playing a house show. Cool. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's like he's he's got a whole journey of himself. Yeah. Have you, have you sure? You yeah, I know. Music? I know Derek. Yeah. I already know who he is. Mm-hmm. So so okay. So you're living in San Diego. Yep. And I don't know how you picked San Diego. How did you How did you pick San Diego actually? Well, I was, it's kind of a longer story, but I was supposed to work for a booking agency in Portland, Oregon that like books tours. Sure. Like your own tours or other no, tours? No, other bands tours. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of like this thing where I was like, okay, if you do this, like you can't really, it was kind of like pick. Sure. You either like play or you like work in the So the like, yeah, either you're going to be in the audience or you're going to be on stage. And yeah. So and you- I was like, man, I don't know if that's like, I don't know if that's even possible or if I want to do that, like doing the artist thing. So. But yeah, but then that was, you know, right when the economy crashed, so the, it went out of business. Oh, <laughs> that made it a simple decision. Yeah, two <laughs> weeks before I was supposed to start, went out of business. So I was like, oh man. So, God, just show me a sign. Show me a sign, God. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Worst possible sign. I was like, anymore. I was like, yeah, but I was living in Santa Cruz for that summer and I was like, well, you know, I like surfing a lot. And I was like, if I'm going to work some terrible job, I might as well go surfing yeah so i should i should tell everybody we're in st louis missouri it's a it's a cold kind of dreary day it's a little it's midwest. L- a little wet yeah i mean it, it was actually really nice the other day mm-hmm. but uh, it's like in the 40s or 50s out there and we're here in the basement of, of the venue and uh, tyson walks in with a skateboard and i was like okay okay the, we got Represent. the california kid here he's he's ready to go he's like yeah I'm not gonna stop just because a couple of this or whatever so dude skate or die man <laughs> It's not. It's not a crime, you know. Did you no. pick that up once you moved to California? Skateboarding? Yeah. Oh no, I grew up doing it. Okay, yeah. so it was like a. Although you seem like a longboarding kind of guy for some reason, I don't know why. I, did, I, I picked you more as a longboarder than a skateboarder, but I'm a longboard surfer. I like surfing longboards. Okay, okay. Um, more, I'm better at it than shortboarding, but yeah, I mean that the skateboard that I brought in is like a. It's like kind of in the middle. It's not like a skateboard skateboard. It's not a longboard though either. So here's why I like your story so much. First off, you kind of just do what you do. You do what you want to do. And you picked San Diego. I think San Diego is one of the most beautiful places in the entire country. I get to go out there every once in a while. Mm-hmm. I went to Bro AM last year for yeah. Switch, Switchfoot or whatever. And uh, man, I love that. I love that town. I love the vibe. It just feels right when I'm in San Diego. I just I love just being there. Even though I'm just a tourist and I'm just trying to blend in yeah. even though I can't so it's it's a cool place so why'd you pick that place well I mean it was kind of an on accident I mean San Diego is like it's the place that like human beings were like genetically designed to live you know <laughs> the weather climate yeah it's just perfect it's like 75 degrees all the time and it's sunny is that where you met your uh, your girlfriend no she's Canadian I, that's a whole nother thing okay I'll tell you about that later if you. you want to but sure um I just like I yeah I, and but it's a it's a tear it's like I'll probably catch some heat for saying this, but it's a terrible place to like play music. Yeah. Like for a 
for a career. It's, it's just like the people that are there are, um, I mean, it's a big city, so there's a lot of different types of people, but generally speaking, it's like people that moved there for the weather and they're there for like a year or two and then they leave. Cause it's crazy expensive. It's a crazy place. So to people live. can't like live there uh, genuinely is what you're saying. It's like, it's hard to, I know there's like a lot of set families but, that are there. Yeah. Like but old why money. is it so bad to play music there? You like, cause I, I'm yeah. from here in St. Louis. I live in out in Colorado now and I feel yeah. like St. Louis, they just love cover music. Yeah. I mean, not that they don't like original, but like if you go to any random place, they're just always playing covers. So it's hard to make it when you got your own stuff when people are mm-hmm. like, I just want to hear that old Oasis song or whatever, you know? Well, I think like where, where I grew up in the Northwest, there was a really strong sense of like community and music and like loyalty to people that were doing it there, you know? So like, yeah. you know, whatever. And I mean, like, you know, it's hard to play music in Seattle because it's completely removed from the rest of the country. It's like in the middle of nowhere. But yeah, there was a sense of like, if you, you know, like if your friend's band was playing and they were cool and they were really trying, like everybody would kind of go, they'd go to the shows and they, you know, it was like a thing where it was like a community of people and the bands all knew each other and everybody played in each other's bands. And in San Diego, it's like, it still has this kind of like, um, like kind of California thing where it's like, if I, if I haven't heard you on the radio, then I don't care. Yeah. It's like, you have to be a certain level of successful for people to want to like associate with you at all. Um, and there's not really that sense of, at least that I've seen, there's not a lot of that sense of like people that like kind of coming together and like, for instance, like right now I'm playing the biggest show I've ever played in San Diego and it's at my favorite venue. I like love this place. And, um, you know, we put all the tickets on sale and it's like, it just always feels like pulling teeth to get people to like go to a show in San Diego or get people, keep, get people out of their houses and. Part of it's because it's spread out. Part of it is it's just like kind of the surfer mentality. Which it's venue like, are you playing at? It's called, it's called the Belly Up. Okay. Um, yeah, I love it. It's the it's awesome. It's like a shark hanging from the ceiling. Okay. <laughs> I've, never, I've been to the Fox. Maybe there's a there's, uh-huh. a there's a big old theater in town that I've been to. That one there. Yeah. But I've only been to a couple of venues in town. Yeah, this one's up north, like by where I live. It's not like downtown. So. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, but then like you know my Seattle show is like it'll probably sell out. So it's like. Like so yeah, where's where would be a good place to live and actually do music like for your stuff? Like where would be a, like a organic place to do that? Because I think you could run into that trap anywhere. Like, yeah, New York. How do I market my music? I've got nine million people here. You know, right. it seems like everywhere is a trap for that almost. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I feel like it's just. I mean, like you know, if you went to just say Nashville, you know, you want to say Nashville. No, that you get, you get lost in the fold <laughs> in Nashville, right? I mean, Nashville is especially for somebody that goes under their own name. Nashville's a hard place to be. Yeah. Because everybody there's, you know, they're all. Just don't open up a bakery there. You'll be fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry. I think, I think like, I think the LA is a pretty good place to, to make music. If you, like, there's just a lot of really interesting stuff going on there. It's okay, like. So you got to drive an hour or two. Yeah, so. exactly. Okay. I mean, and it takes me like, I can be in Hollywood, like just as fast as you could be. You could get there from like Pasadena, you know, it's like, it's all Southern California. So. Yeah, I got you. Okay. So. You're living in San Diego. Yep. You're coming out with music, EPs. You're mm-hmm. playing anywhere you can. Mm-hmm. And then what's the next thing that happens to Tyson Matzenbacher? And then my mom got sick, which is like, you know, like we were, you were talking about it earlier. It's like, um, it happened for you guys too. My mom got cancer and she fought it for a while and then she passed away. Yeah. And, um, did she, was she on chemo and did all the, she went through all the stuff. How long was she sick for? She was sick for like three years, I think. Oh my. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, she was like super healthy. She's like a marathon runner and stuff. So hmm. they thought she had a pretty good, but they, I think they caught it kind of late. 
but she was yeah she stage was, four or something like that i mean yeah but here's the thing like like they always catch it stage i've never heard of even catching it at stage three before yeah so like i think that's kind of common but man three years is a long time to suffer in that disease that's, yeah that's that's uh, pretty I'm horrible sh- so for our mom there were a lot of roller coasters and yeah. literally when she got it they didn't know what was wrong with her they figured it out. Then she started chemo immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but every round, it was just like this huge roller coaster. Then they said she was good. And then she yeah. went on a cruise and we never saw yeah. her again. She went on she the literally world. passed away. Um, and only one of our siblings got to go there. Like they took her up to Anchorage. She was in this hospital. And by the time we knew that things were just going downhill so fast, we couldn't even get there. So, um, yeah, she was on a celebration cruise because she had just rung the cancer free bell. Yeah. And so like, oh she was a gosh. Christian school teacher, librarian girl. Yeah. So she had like a lot of people. Have you ever seen the videos of like the Christian kids coming over to the people's houses and playing the praise songs in the front yard? Oh yeah. That's like my mom. That happened to my mom and it was like celebrated. She came back. She started working again. She was cancer free for like, she was there for like a month or two. And then she went on this cruise to celebrate her cancer free in Alaska, in Alaska. Yeah. And never been out of, really the the 48 before and this is her first big trip and then all of a sudden like that you know she she passes away in a anchorage uh, alaska uh, oh my place. Gosh. it was it was it was insane so we yeah, can relate yeah, so to your story it was a little nine bit. months that she had so yeah. she got in october she passed away in june the next year so nine months i mean it, so, that was a roller coaster really for cool. us but three years i can't imagine holding on to this hope and it's that's back what and I'm forth thinking. and all that's that that seems like worse to me honestly like yeah yeah it wasn't it was i mean it, it it's good. It's good, and I mean, obviously, like you take the time you can get. You know, like yeah. like three years is better than than nothing. But it's also like three years of really just gnarly stuff. You know, it's like my mom was a nurse, so she like she like found it herself. Basically, she like took the stethoscope out. Oh wow. and, Like was like listening to her own She's lungs. She's intense. Oh, so she, she was knew. super gnarly, man. And she she knew that. Like, I mean. She knew like that she wasn't gonna make it right away, so she was like, After, "But you know, me three years before three years." Oh happened? yeah, oh yeah. She was like, you know, so she was like kind of coaching us through the whole thing, and she was all she was like good with it. She was like had total peace with the idea of of death and of dying and of like moving on. But she was really worried about like her family. She was like worried about my sister and my dad and I. So she was like coaching us through this process while she was like. You know, I remember my mom. Uh, one of the times she was ushered uh, in a, a uh, ambulance to the hospital during one of her chemo treatments, and uh, she it, the presidential election was happening, and mm-hmm. she uh, was really uh, what was the, happening here in St. Louis at WashU. Yeah, they had a, a like a oh, wow. debate or something like, like that. that same night. She was being transported from a suburban hospital to downtown. She, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so while all that stuff's going on, it's yeah, like crazy. Yeah, yeah, she knew that, and uh, we just found this note that she had left like after she passed away you know we went through and found this note that she had written down this what he's already about to tell you yeah so she was head of the hospital and she was really big into the conservative side of politics Mm -hmm. and uh she was very vocal about that and uh in this hospital ride uh, down the ambulance ride down the hospital she said uh i realized then and there that it doesn't matter my political affiliation. I care yeah. more about the people that are around me in this ambulance and more about their souls and more about who they are as people yeah. more than this bigger general election thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. And it was just like her way of kind of letting go of these these things that she had in her life. And it was it was really freeing for us to hear that. You yeah. know, it was really it was really easy. So back to your story. I'm sorry, our stories correlate a little bit. No, so. not at all. I, I think, yeah, like my mom, she always kind of like, 
she always kind of like lived in the space between a little bit. Like it sounds like your mom did too, where it's like, she always like kind of had this, like, I mean, she was, she was like, she was kind of like a mystic a little bit. She was like, so it always kind of felt like she was like, like lived at least a portion of her life in a place that I didn't understand. It's like, she was kind of like a hippie, like a free, free bird, like, like kind of a, not really. That's, it's kind of hard to explain. I just felt like there was a, there was a very like, so she had her own little world is what you're saying that she, she didn't yeah. let you into Like she was content on her own behalf. Is that what you're saying? Totally. I mean like I'm, I, there's a bunch of examples that I could give you, but um, like the one that the one that I always remember the most is like, cause she wasn't like, like, I don't think the people that like, I, <laughs> like I think that like the church we went to, like, I think like everybody was kind of worried that she like wasn't a Christian like they were all just like those. Those are the yeah. best kind of churches. We yeah. in, in suspect the entire time they were kind of, especially her specifically because <laughs> she was so out there. Oh, so like, man. I mean, did, like, did she play with that? Because I, I hope she did. I oh, hope she had yeah. some fun with that. Okay, good. She loved it. Like and she like, wore her Led Zeppelin shirt on Sunday mornings, right? That kind of thing. Okay, I mean, good, where good, she good. was, she was just out there, and she didn't care. Like she just didn't care at all. Like what you thought about what she believed, you know? So, yeah. but she was like, well, like in one example is that like one time when I was a kid, like. She was, um, she like wasn't eating at dinner and I, I like kept pushing her and asking her why she wasn't eating. She was like, I'm just, she's like, I'm just not eating. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> and I kept pushing her and kept pushing her. And she was like, she's like, all right, I'm not eating because I'm fasting. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what? She's like, I know it seems weird, but I'm just, I'm not eating. And I was like, why? She's like, because this guy got in a motorcycle accident. And I was like, who? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, you're not eating because somebody got in a motorcycle accident that you don't know? And she was like, yes. Very personal. And then like three days later, she was eating again. And I was like, what happened? She was like, he died. <laughs> Celebration. Maybe. And I was like, I was like, how do you know? She's like, I don't know. I just know that he was in a motorcycle accident and he died. And I was supposed to not eat and I was supposed to pray for him. And I was like she like did it you know obviously like she didn't want to tell me about she didn't really care if anybody knew she just like had this like incredible connection to like something deeply spiritual i like that though yeah like like it it, it intrigues you and you want to know it more i bet totally did, did your dad embrace that or did it drive him crazy oh well, both i think okay yeah i mean i think he uh yeah, I think he loved it. I mean, it was it was kind of just as much of like to love my mom was to like love that sure. part of her where she was just completely on her own trip. You know? I gotcha. So you were living in San Diego for for three years while your mom was battling cancer, mm-hmm. and then you get a call, and what what happens then? Well, I mean, she she was kind of trying to like break it to us easy. I think that like so first, you know, she's like, hey, something's wrong, and then but she knew what was going on, so she's like, something's wrong, and I was like, okay, well, it's fine. And she's like, okay, it's not fine. It's, it is cancer. I'm like, okay. And she's like, well, this is the next step. And then it was like, it kind of became apparent that like, it was going to be like a long, a long journey. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just kind of like kept doing my thing, you know, I just like kept, kept playing shows and, you know, I stayed in San Diego and I'd come up and see her and stuff. And she traveled a lot. Like she went to like south america with my sister and she came down and saw while me. she was in chemo and all that and, mm-hmm. okay. yeah she was just like just kind of like getting her house in order a little bit she's like this is what i want to do and um yeah and then it got to a point where it was like oh this is very clearly 
Like she, there was one point where she was like, okay, like this is really bad. Like, and you know, the doctor's always like, well, we can do something. Like we can always do something else. And she was like, nah, like <laughs> I'm kind of done. Sure. So she was like, I don't want to do that stuff anymore. She's like, it's going to end the same way. And I'd rather just feel better. I'd like rather not be on radiation or whatever for the last like six months of my life. So then I flew home and I was up there for like six months or something. Wow. So you got to spend some quality time with your mm-hmm. mom. That's, yeah. that's, that's really precious. Yeah. It was quality and it was really hard cause she was like super skinny and she didn't feel good. She couldn't eat for like a year that she had like a tube in her, I mean, you know, there was, like yeah. in her yeah. arm or whatever. And I can make a joke about like, there was a big crash on the freeway and she was just fasting simultaneously for <laughs> each, each one of the people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, no, bad. she's just like always, always fasting for the world, man. <laughs> world faster. Yeah. So she was, yeah, she was, she was rad and she just kind of like, just like walked through that last few months really like, so really in, where is that in your journey? What year did that happen? That was 2013. So yeah, I mean that, that happened. And then, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that happened to kind of like in the, in the theme of your podcast, you know, but basically what happened after that is she told me to do something stupid. She's like, she's like, I want you to go do something irresponsible. She you any ideas about stupid things to do? Like go marry somebody or go she to said, Vegas or she was like, was what she said? She was like, She's like, you're really bad at feeling sad. So after I die, I want you to do something irresponsible. And then while you're doing the irresponsible thing, I want you to think about why you're sad that I'm gone. Was, was, was she true when she said that? I mean, were you really bad at feeling sad? Oh yeah. I'm still, I'm still bad at it. Like I'm not, I think it's, it's interesting. Cause like I, you know, my music is, it leans into that. It's really. very emotional. And, yeah. it, and it tends to lean towards the tragic, you know I mean? Like my new record, there's a song called fentanyl about it. It's like about one of my two remains about that, this song. Yeah, my, it's like my old tour manager that like overdosed on fentanyl. It's like, oh wow, that's what it's about. A tour manager, that, what, one of your old tour managers. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, like, I, you don't write like the thing about it is that like, I don't think anybody can really like live in that world without like, um, can like fully live in that world without being just like a person that's completely like Elliot Smith, you know, where you're just like that's your whole thing. So for me, what I do is I tend to like compartmentalize my life in a way that like makes sense to me. So like I can write about fentanyl and then I can like snap out of it and go do something else, which is not a healthy way to live. I think it's like trying to, you want to like try to integrate it all and sure. together. But it's easier to compartmentalize and like that. I, I think it is, especially you're like, okay, well, this is something that happened. It's a tragedy. It's over here. Yeah. But that's not what the regular part of life looks like. Life looks like this instead. But to, to bring that into your regular stream of life, like you have to reconcile that. Right. We're getting some uh, background drums here from Will Chapman, I guess. Yeah, you're not just hearing fentanyl now. You're hearing two songs. You're hearing Colony House something. Colony House and fentanyl. I think they left the door open, maybe. I'll go, I'll go work on that. You, you talk about fentanyl and everything else. Okay, cool. Yeah, so like I don't even know if fentanyl is. That's how bad I am. Like, but when I heard this, I was like, I know it's a drug. Mm-hmm. But so what happened to this guy? Is your tour manager? Yeah, I mean it's an opiate, and I think it's a. I think you can do it a lot of different ways or whatever. But he was basically he was like on a on all of our tours that I did with him. He would like kind of he would be fine, and then he would just like do really wacky stuff. You know, like where he would like disappear. Like one time we were in San Francisco and he just like disappeared. Like we couldn't find him. And he was just like, and uh, so we were like, well, I guess we're like leaving you here. So we left San Francisco and drove to Sacramento. And then he called us the next morning like nothing had happened. <laughs> That's got drugs written all over it. Yeah. And he's like, come get me. And we're like, we're in Sacramento now. Like, you know, we're with traffic. We're like four hours away from you. Um, he's like, well, just come, just come pick me up. 
And I was like, no, dude, like you're done. Like you, yeah. you screwed up. And then he full on like rented a car and drove to Portland. So it was just like, it's which, a long drive. Oh yeah. It's super long. And it like, you know, he like wait, like lost, like he spent all the money that he was getting paid on the tour to like, Catch so back up. <laughs> you can just tell like oh this is like this feels like is this guy still around no yeah so he he passed away he overdosed on oh, fentanyl. is that part of the story i i, I didn't mm-hmm. read the lyrics all the way through yeah so he basically what fentanyl is about is it's like it's me seeing all of the warning signs of an addict so like him doing crazy stuff and then like kind of all of us laughing about it you know it's like him just talking about like these crazy things that he would do and us being like, man, that's so funny. Like you're such a wild dude. And then realizing that like, Oh yeah. Like we all knew that you were sick and just none, we just didn't want to deal with it. Like we just didn't want to, cause I could have been like, Hey, are you okay? And I just like never did that. Cause I knew that it was going to be, <laughs> it was going to be gnarly. You know, it's like, I, you don't want to deal with it. And I think like that's me in that song, you know, it's like, it's just me kind of trying to take responsibility for something that's ultimately not my fault, but that you can't help but feel responsible for. So did it feel like somebody just ripped your heart out? <laughs> <laughs> or ripped a box open? We um, got a box. We got a box happening. We got a box. Yeah. You know, we had a good friend that, that uh, we were in a band with that drug, dealt with some drug stuff too. Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, it's so obvious that it's happening, but mm-hmm. but the cure is so challenging so hard to even like put your finger on it yeah so it's easier just to sit back and just talk about it and, and just you know, hey well the christian answer we'll pray for that guy sure just, just pray for him but like to actually engage in that and like actually go to that pl- those are hard places to go to yeah if you especially if you really love the person man that's a really hard because you have to go to the the places where they're vomiting and the places yeah. where they're you know where, where you're not accepted where you where you feel uncomfortable i was given rights to some kid at late at night and like it was just put me in neighborhoods I didn't feel comfortable and it yeah. was just awkward. Sorry. My stories. No, but no, that's, we, that's we've exactly all been touched right. by that. You know, yeah. it's, it's just a weird thing. I think the door is back open. So, yeah. um, okay. So your mom passed away. She asked mm-hmm. you to do something crazy. Yeah. So what do you do? Yeah. What's the next so step? So then I, I walked across California after that. So I walked from, I mean, not across California, but I walked from San Diego to the golden gate bridge in San Francisco. So, so when you did that, I, I read that. Did you take roads or did you take a trail? Did you do the PCT? No, no. I just like walked up the highway basically. <laughs> did you have your thumb out half the time? No, no. I didn't hitchhike at all. You, you walked up like the ocean side though, right? Like mm-hmm. the one in that way? Yeah. I you tried rode to up the s- one? Yeah. Because it seems like that's dicey. It's got all those, uh, those yeah, it's turns. Super pretty. It's super Amazing. pretty and super dicey. Yeah, I bet. Because yeah. there's some places where like it's a, dr- a large drop off and there's cars zipping around you the entire oh, time. Oh yeah. So like... The one through like Big Sur, it's all it's all like people with those like insane RVs now. Yeah, yeah. CampAmerica.com or something. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, well, the ones they have now are like the ones that you stick in the back of a pickup truck that like hangs out. Oh yeah. I don't even know how to explain it, but they're giant. They're like way too big. Like nobody yeah. nobody needs a camper that big. <laughs> yeah. And so, how long did that take you? It took me like a little over a month, like a month and a half. Okay. How do you postpone your life for a month and a half? How do you do that? Well, I had already postponed it. Because oh, for, for your mom's passing. Yeah. I mean, it was like, I didn't know. We didn't know how long it was going to be. So, so did you actually move from San Diego back to Washington for that? Or did you still have a place in San Diego? <laughs> yeah, I still had my, my okay. place in San Diego. So, um, yeah. So we, I like went up there and we did that time. And then like literally the day after her service, I like flew home and started the walk. So. 
the day after her service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so her service was on Sunday, and I flew home on Monday, and I think I walked out of my house on Tuesday. So, so with this walk, did you have like a big backpack with like camping gear in it that you were just gonna throw down wherever you wanted to spend the night? Yeah, I just had like a tent and a sleeping, sleeping bag. bag, and did you bring a guitar or anything? Did you bring mm-hmm. anything to? So like everything was gonna happen. It's gonna happen on pen and paper, I guess, in your head. Yeah, and I wrote a bunch of the first that first record called Letters to Lost Loves. I wrote it on that walk. It was mostly just like lyrics and stuff but was which song on there would you say would it be like a goodbye to your mom well actually interestingly so i i played the song in your name for my mom before she died which is about prayer and then the song that ended up being kind of the the goodbye song is actually the song called honest and it's just like me trying to wrap my head around you know what it means to like lose somebody like that and it's just like really what i think it ends up being is like this sort of snapshot of these moments it's like it's like one thing at a time you know so it's like a i'm just it's a list like the chorus is a list of things that she meant yeah um we got it here yeah and i i really love that song that one's like i don't you know i don't really play it and we don't really like it doesn't like get a lot of press you say we don't really play it you mean you don't really play it yeah like band. with the band and oh stuff. you're oh your your group i'm sorry yeah yeah that's what i meant <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like and i as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, that's kind of... Yeah, you started off there. So I walked to San Francisco, yeah. So that, I like wrote that like while I was walking down the side of the road, basically. Um, Yeah, so that one's kind of the goodbye, I guess, but... You played the song to mom, your mom before you said No, I played... Oh, you played Honest for her. In Your Name. I played In, in Your Name that's right, for the her. Song. Yeah, actually, that one was... She actually had some input in that one, because the end of that one, it says, like, there's this lyric that says, Who my God have you been listening to? And it's talking about, like all the things that people say that God did for them. And I told her, they used to say the F word there. You say, who the F have you been listening to? Yeah. Which is how I felt at that moment. And I played it for her with the original lyrics. And she was like, I love that. She's like, I love it, but you can't say it. You can't say that. And I was like, I was like, why not? And she's like, because if you do ever, the people who need to hear that song won't hear it anymore. It's true. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I took it out. Uh, people have that thing where they hear that word and it's just like it shuts, it puts the wall up so they can't listen further past that point. So I get that. Mm-hmm. Your mom had some wisdom. That was really good. Dude, super, super wisdom. Yeah, she was rad. That was really good. Yeah. She saved you the uh, the, the E explicit on the album. <laughs> she saved you the <laughs> oh, E rating. Oh, she probably saved me like a lot of... I mean, I don't know though. Like it's, it's hard to say because I think that like... It's really funny to be now, like, kind of, sort of, like, I, I'm somewhat in the, like, Christian music world now, which is really interesting to me. Because you really never pursued it? Is that why you're saying that? Yeah, I never pursued it at all. I just, like, talked about, I just talked about themes, you know, those types of themes. Yeah, but I saw you open for um, Switchfoot and Colony House last year in Denver, mm-hmm. and you don't hold back, like, when you're talking about your story and your songs, like, yeah. on stage, you, you, you're there. Like, yeah. Yeah. You, you're authentic. Well, and I always assumed that that would be the the thing that would make them like kind of kick me out of the, you know, the Christian music fold. Yeah, so even kind of talking <laughs> on this is this song uh, on your new album. Yeah. Because I feel like this is straight in the face of all that kind of stuff too, right? Hundred percent. It's like yeah, it's like that. This song is about like worship music, basically. Yeah. And and like you know, if you take like kind of the world that I'm in. You know, like I did a tour with John Mark McMillan, who like writes songs for the church and stuff. Yeah. I mean, he's I love him, and he's, his music's amazing. But um, you know, there's a lot of like worship music fans there, 
And this is me just being like, I think that stuff's just like drugs. Yeah, this the part of this I think is hilarious when you're like, and then we went and played kickball. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, just then we were humans. We were humans after we were at church playing around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We we here. Look, we're actual humans. And when are we real humans? When we're playing kickball or when we're in church, you know, doing this? Yeah. You know. Yeah, that was actually this. There was this interest. I mean, I've talked about this before, but there was this interesting moment where like my job, like kind of like it was the fade from going like playing in the church all the time. Oh, so you did like worship music in the uh-huh. church for a while? Yeah, I would like do camps and stuff. Um, that was in the era of. Like, so this is why you can relate so well with this worship mentality or this worship mindset. Well, in some ways, the interesting thing is like like my friends that write music for the church. Like I have a lot of them. You know, they're really successful that write all that stuff. You know, that write stuff for like Bethel and Hellsong and for everything. And um, those people don't like. They don't. A lot like I was doing the youth camps for years. Like where you're, you know standing on stage and everybody's crying and you're supposed to play the stand or whatever and um like those people are just writing songs that they know that people are consuming um but i was i feel like in some ways like i was the one that really saw it at ground zero like i was seeing what those songs do to people and 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 um you know i'm like i I don't ever want people to, I like my friends that do this stuff for a living. It's like, they're amazing. They're yeah. incredible songwriters in there. And I don't like, I don't fault them at all. But basically what happened was that I went from playing church camps to doing like being on the road with a band, like playing festivals and stuff sure. like that where there's a lot of drugs. And there was this moment where I realized like, Oh, these are the same. They're, like they're the same thing. Like the festivals where people are doing drugs is the same as church camp, except that like, the drugs at church camp are like, you know, not sleeping very much and being around a bunch of people that make you feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself or whatever. And it's like, it's everyone's like, both things are people searching for the same thing and using the same medium to achieve that. Basically. It's like, I just realized like, you know, I was like people that are all like singing the songs together with this like specific chord structure and these like really hyper emotional lyrics that are very self-centered like self-focused it's like those those people are trying to achieve a certain type of like you know unified high together and and but the thing is that they're naming that god like they're naming that the holy spirit or whatever it is and then at festivals people are just high sure and they're just like we're just on drugs but it's the same experience basically yeah what, it's, what it's I an saw. emotional high right out of the same vein you know, like uh, we went to a, a big, kind of a mega church for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, and they did a lot of pomp and circumstance stuff, and it, it just got hokey after a while. Like yeah. like uh, July the fourth, they started doing streamers and confetti, <laughs> and they had the bagpipes and the guys with the skirts, and I was like, eh, I'm not sure if I buy in this too much anymore. Yeah. One time they did this thing where. Uh, I, I couldn't believe it. In the middle of the service, right after they did the offering, they had a guy run up the the uh, the aisle, and he says, "Pastor, pastor!" And the pastor's preaching. He's in the middle of the sermon. He's like, "Some robbers just came and they took all of our offering," and the pastor's like, "Oh my goodness!" And like we were all in suspense for like a couple minutes. And it was part of the thing. It was part of the thing. Of course, it was. It's a show. And I was just like, I felt so disillusioned at that moment. Yeah. I was like. 
are you kidding me? Do we really have to create drama? Doesn't the like doesn't the gospel isn't God big enough on His own that we don't have to build up like this big narrative around what we're actually worshiping? We just worship God for who He is, not because like we built up a story that makes us feel better about who we are or, or makes it's not us versus them and all that stuff. And yeah. I, I just I I really resonate with what you're saying is is what I'm saying because because. I think the church can easily, and they're they're an easy target because they're mm-hmm. big and they're they're everywhere. The church, the capital C church, or whatever. Yeah. But uh, it's just people, you know. I mean, it's just like people doing their best, which is like that's why I have a lot of empathy it for it. <laughs> but I think like what gets really frustrating for me is like when it becomes. I'm just looking at it being like, and a lot of this comes from my mom, you know, being this person that was like in the deep waters, dude. And like I don't, I don't know, you know. I'm sure she would be the first one to admit that, like she didn't have it all figured out, but that's kind of the point. It's like, if this is things like, if you look at it, if you just zoom out for a second and you're like, like, I mean, think about like, if you just look at the world and you're like, somebody created this thing. Like, like if I believe that like God created this and like also God created everything that we can see and have ever known and have ever heard and have ever thought. And then you zoom out beyond that. Maybe that's like, that's gotta be like a tiny percentage of what this being is like it's enormous and it's like terrifying it's like scary it's overwhelming it's overwhelming and it's terrifying and it's confusing man like to think that you can wrap your head around that is like i think is insane so to say that like okay so this thing is literally infinitely bigger than i can even begin to try to imagine and scarier and out there and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to use that as like a way to comfort myself one day a week or a way to like feel good about my life or a way to X, you know, whatever X thing is for me personally. It's a way like to justify who my existence, maybe, you know, sure. I mean, a way you, to justify my voting, a way to whatever you want to do. You can literally use it for anything. Yeah. And like, and when, when you, when that becomes the entirety of like your relationship to the divine is like, okay, this is something that I use to x in my life because i have a lot of worries and this kind of pats down a few of them it's just like dude that is such a bummer that's like such a lame way to like live your life is like to use this thing that is enormous and to dumb it down and to you know conform it and to americanize it or whatever um like to to bastardize this enormity into such a way to where it, it just like kind of suits you how you want it to suit sure. you. Sure. It's like we're all building a narrative and we want that narrative so well to fit what we think is right and true. Right. But but like we, we all do it. We, we do. all do it. And like to some degree. Sure. Of and I think that like I'm in some ways it's like I'm fine with that. Like it's like if it's like if you like we all have to find ways to live our lives. Like we all have to find ways to like survive. But like the things that make me upset are when it's like I mean, you know, if you if you're like uh, I don't even know of a good example, but it's like, there are a few things that I hold to be sacred. Um, there's not very many, but there's a few things that I hold your to be skateboard, sacred. Your skateboard, what else? S- yeah, skating. Skating. Surfing. Surfing your girlfriend. Tanning. San what about, Diego. What about your Land Rover? <laughs> good teeth. You like good teeth, right? You're a big teeth guy. Good. Yeah, going to the dentist. <laughs> Pizza. <laughs> I mean, I can Everything go Everything that's important in life. Yeah. 
Um, you were really on a deep thought there, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> I <learned it> totally. <laughs> no, for some but, reason, I, I told him about your Land Rover. I saw this video that you put online yeah. talking about some of your songs, and it's like one that you drive on the right side of the road mm-hmm. instead of the left. And I was like, dude, that is awesome. Like, I don't know how he got that in the States, but that is sweet. It's actually it's actually my best friend's Land Rover. I just used it. Oh, for, I use it for that. I'm posing. <laughs> um, but that thing is amazing. It's Japanese. It's right-hand drive. Nice? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love that car so much. He has he has a, like a couple of, of cool cars, so I will steal that one occasionally. It's it's sweet. When I saw yeah. that, I was like, dude, that is rad. Yeah, the funny thing about that was that the like driving that around Southern California, it's like all of the salty surf dads are just so pumped on you. It's like the best way to make friends in Southern California. Just drive that car around. We have a, uh, we have a good friend that has a 1957. What kind of car was that? Did you see that thing? It was like, it was this old, big flashy car. car. And we drive that thing around Southern California and that, I forget what kind of car it was, man, but it was beautiful. It's just 1957. Every head turner is like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Hey, um, when I think about your album, I listened to it Mm -hmm. a couple times, uh, recently, and uh, I just bought the thing, by the way. Oh, I, nice. I, I'm an actual buyer of albums. I know, right? You're the last of the Mohicans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trailblazing. Blazing. Yeah. Do you even buy albums on your own? Do you, are you a streamer? I, I will buy vinyl copies of records okay, well, that I love. Yeah. I can't fit vinyl on my, on my iPhone. It's hard so. to take yeah, in the airport. Really, you know? <laughs> it's really I honestly does not really live. <laughs> how did you, Oh, you... Did you buy... You must have bought it... Through iTunes. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Like... I like doing that actually. I love it. That's I still cool. do, and because I, I like, well, I guess I just like owning music. I don't know this. I, I don't know yeah. this mean anything anymore. So when I listen to your album, I, I came up with some themes: uh, longing, yeah, uh, reaching for what once was, mm-hmm. uh, finding who your needs are. Boy, the, is this Colony House being really loud? Is it? Either that or they left the door open again. I'll go check it out, and then uh, and then it all it all culminates with I miss the old days. Yeah, of like this reminiscing of one what once was, mm-hmm. and just missing uh, that life. And I guess that your maybe your mom and your story plays into that a little bit. Yeah, but also I think in part of that story you talked about how. Uh, maybe you're making the good old days right now as you, as you live. And, yeah. And like, so like you can't always miss the old days. Like you're living the old days right now. Yeah. I'm going to go shut the door. I'll be right back. Cool. We'll listen to the song. Yeah. I really like this album though a lot. It's pretty chill. Yeah. Good for a drive. I, the old days. I get that a lot. This is like a good road trip stuff, which I appreciate. Meet me by the river, baby. I've got something to show. Is this the first uh, podcast you've done during sound check? <laughs> it is. I love it. <laughs> These catfish. Good luck going on in the background. Yeah, that was. I mean, I think like in all of my songs, I've always like really dealt with that like kind of sense of nostalgia or sentimentalism or like longing for the past has like always been a big theme. It's like, and I tend to like over romanticize the past. Like I always have done that. I think we have to do that, especially like with funerals, where like we saint the people as they as they go off. And like we have to just like look at the best of parts of who they were and who they are and right, yeah. Your your album is very soothing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I I like listening to it, but I think if I was going on a long road trip, it might not be the best thing to listen to late at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if yeah. you're doing that two to three a.m. drive. Yeah. No offense, but this is not the one you you want to put on it's something like a, a little heavier. Like maybe Colony House. Right? Yeah, they would help. <laughs> it's like that um, that Saturday Night Live skit with. Uh, Bony Vare when he puts his like superpowers he puts everybody to sleep <laughs> I love that <laughs> what's the lyric from the song at the end it's like um, it's saying you can't you, you want to miss better days right yeah I want better days to I miss yeah love that I just when I heard that I was just like that is perfect way to say that right yeah it's like I think that was just trying to like 
be realistic about the things that I miss in the past and then also to say like I think we can like do better than that you know like I think we can I think we can like yeah we can like the, I think a part of hope is like actually having like a belief that you can impact the future you know yeah. so so what are you trying to say through your music? What your new album? I mean, I said some themes that I picked up from. But what mm-hmm. would you try to convey to to anybody who's coming to the shows, listening to the music? What are you trying to say? What are you What are you trying to reach? What are you trying to say? It's a good question. Um, I mean, like you know, let them interpret. But what are you yeah. actually trying to say? Well, I think there's a couple parts. Actually, uh, my friend John from Switchfoot. He he. That's so cool that you can say it. By the way. Oh yeah, he's. He's a dear friend, man. He's like, that guy's the salt of the earth. But he, I, the first two, he was the first person that ever took me on tour. He was like kind of the first person that ever believed in me. Really? How long yeah. ago was that? Um, it was like, right. Actually, when I was on my walk, he heard about the walk and then he reached out to me. Cause he, so he, you didn't know him before the walk? Um, I think I, you know, we'd been in the same room a couple times, but okay. I didn't really know him. And, um, yeah, he was just like, he reached out and he's. And then um, he, they offered me that he offered me the tour for the Wonderlands, and he like after one of the shows he like he said five or six things to me on that tour that I'll never forget. But one of the things that he said to me is he took me by the shoulders and he like shook me, and he goes he goes Tyson if somebody's giving you a microphone you better know what you're saying into it. And I was like oh man and that was that was a really good really good word I think. Um, Oh, there we go. <laughs> that was perfect timing. So when, when all this is taking place, like, did you grow up on Switchfoot music at all? Like, do you? Not really. I mean, I I listened to like some of those early early records um, when I was in high school and stuff, and I loved them. Um, but yeah, it, uh, I mean, I've always loved Switchfoot as a band. I think it was like I I went a little bit more into the like kind of Northwest indie rock route um, after that. In the but Southern that was California. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think the thing that I really want to say is that the thing that I fought against a lot is like this idea of being comfortable of like using God or using anything in your life as a just as a comfort blanket, like using something that's enormous to, to suit yourself. I want to fight against that. And then I also like it's so funny because I want to like make people uncomfortable. And then I also want <laughs> I also want to comfort people to like show them that I think it's like that they're okay yeah um that's kind of the two parts to it like that not only are they okay but like that things are gonna be okay I think um because those are I think that like the the kind of climate that we're in right now or whatever is just this really afraid of the unknown and then using things that are actually sort of knowable to comfort that fear and I and I actually think it's the other way around like I think that I think that like those big things are probably fine, but like the big scary things are probably fine. Like I think they're probably, it's probably okay. Like, like the coronavirus? Stuff like that, yeah, is a great, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a great example. It's like people are buying toilet paper by the pallet right now. And it's just like, because they're afraid. And it's like, here's something I can do. Is like buy a bunch of toilet paper. And it's like, <laughs> the coronavirus is gonna go away. Like it's, I mean, it's, it's a scary thing and it's gonna be, it's bad, it's gonna be bad. But like, you know, probably more people will die of the flu during this time than the coronavirus. And it won't but, get any attention at all. But the coronavirus is big and scary and it moves through the air and we're all terrified of it. Yeah. So like in my mind, it's like the like thing like in my mind it's like we, if we use God to comfort our fears of like 
politics and stuff like that or the future or the scariness. It's like, in my mind, it's like that stuff's probably all fine. And actually what you should be afraid of is God. Like the thing that you're using to comfort yourself is the, actually the scary thing or the big thing, you know, that's the big unknown is actually the thing that you're using to insulate your lives are actually the things that you should really be worrying about. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what I'm, that's one of the things I'm trying to say. I like that. Well, on that note, um, what are you looking forward to in the future? What's your, what's your next big move? We had to, we got to wrap this thing up because we're getting, <laughs> Connie House is ripping up the stage upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you looking forward to? What's, what's your next step? What do you, what do you, what's on the horizon? What's for after Titan? this tour? Yeah, because yeah. Your, your album just came out. Mm-hmm. It's called, uh, someday I'll make it all up to you. Yep. I want to know what you're going to make up to me, by yeah, the way. I'm going to play this too I'm because all, I'm there's so many lyrics to, you, to this yeah. one. Yep. I know, right? That was my more complex. Complicated. Yeah, like honestly, a lot of these songs, I'm like, you don't sing like the same chorus lyrics all the time. You, mm-hmm. it's just like you're telling the song going story. And I'm like, how does yeah. this guy remember all these lyrics? Because <laughs> I'm a songwriter, I've done this kind of stuff, yeah. and I'm like, that is the hardest part for me. Music, not a problem. I yeah. remember any little random thing, but lyrics, I'm like, I have a hard time just remembering one chorus yeah. sometimes or one verse. And I'm like, how does this guy do this? There's a few songs that I mess the words up to pretty often. Like I'll probably mess the words up tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we have a we have a tour coming up. It's on in May. It's a West Coast tour, so we'll be playing pretty much every West Coast city. You and your band, or what? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. It'll be a full band tour. Um, really excited about that. And then we're gonna be hitting everything else again okay. as a headline, and probably in the fall. So cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, we really appreciate you being on the podcast. Tyson. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thanks for your honest conversation. I, I can tell you're really genuine about what you do, and you're mm. not like uh, anxious about it. You're like really seasoned as an artist, and you've been doing this for a while. And he's West Coast, man. He's like super he's, chill. He's, he's got to be like super chill. <laughs> going with the flow. Yeah, if you know, if you're West Coast and you're uptight, like what kind of West Coaster are you? You're like, you're, you're, you're like a New Yorker. There. You're yeah. in the wrong place. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I love New Yorkers so much, though. They just feel like, I'm like, oh, yes, this person, like... <laughs> I'll break you. So you, yeah, wait, you're, you're trying it. to ir- irritate them is what you're trying to do, or what? No, I just it just feels like there's, like... I just feel like New Yorkers are, like... They have a sense of urgency about life that I really appreciate. It's like... <laughs> It's like, they, yeah. they just seem to care. It's like, like on the West Coast, like nobody cares about anything. And it's like out East, like everyone cares about everything. It's yeah, like, they're so busy. Yeah. You, yeah. you go out to like, I feel like it starts in Colorado where I live. Uh-huh. It's, it just starts getting more chill. Like, yeah, right on, dude. Like, totally. yeah, oh, you could be a few minutes late. Not a big deal. Yeah, Colorado yeah. is like, Colorado is just like Southern California, but with like, um, Mountains? T- Tiva's like. sandals on. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I don't own any, but all right. Oh, no, I love all my all my best friends are from Colorado, so I love making fun. There's of a lot of Californians that have moved out to oh, Colorado yeah. these the, days. The so price point really, brings yeah. them out there. Cool. Yeah. Well, Tyson, thank you for being on the Life After Bliss podcast. We yeah. appreciate you. We appreciate your music. How do people find you? Um, I'm a, a good place. A lot of like kind of the place that I am actually wheels on the ground is on Instagram. So okay. Um, yeah, my yeah. If you look Tyson Matzenbacher, yeah, you'll find it. Matzenbacher is uh, German for bread maker. Dishonest <laughs> bread maker. <laughs> yeah, how many times have you told that story a lot? Don't you? I bet you do. Oh, only only when I need to like uh, just show how silly my grandmother is. I think. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, Tyson, thanks for stopping by today. We really appreciate you being part of the podcast, and your music is amazing. If you guys want to find Tyson Matzenbacher. Go to Spotify and type in Tyson, T-Y-S-O-N, Matzenbacher. It starts with the M-O-T and some other letters after that, Matzenbacher. And you guys can find him. He's got some great music. He's got a couple albums out there. And once again, listen. uh, thanks for listening to the Life After Blues podcast. 
hit like or subscribe leave us a review we'd love to hear from you have a good day